Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Mr Riley's Reading Podcast. So in the last episode we started reading The Night of the Kelpies by Joan Lennon and we read the first two chapters. So to start off with I'm going to quickly recap what had happened in those two chapters. So Sandy and his mum went to live with his grandmother who they call Mrs Gray. He bumped into a gang of local teenagers and they dared him to spend the night at the bay, and he agreed to this dare. And they said that he needs to bring them some photo evidence to prove that he went there at night. So today we're going to be reading chapters 3 and 4 of The Night of the Kelpies. Chapter 3, Mrs Gray's Pearls. That night, Sandy was on his way to the front door when a voice called him back. You, Sandy. Come here. It was his grandmother. Sandy gave a sigh. So much for sneaking out, he thought. His mum had got the old woman into bed and then said good night and gone to bed herself. She was worn out, but Mrs Gray was still wide awake and alert as a cat. Sandy gave another sigh and went into her bedroom. Young Bill McIntosh's mother rang me this evening, Mrs Gray began. Her boy told her about the dare. It was that girl, Caitlin McGann, wasn't it? There's nasty blood in the McGann family. I should have known she'd find a way to send you to the bay. Her mother, Janet, was dead set on your father all those years ago, before he met Maggie. I've often asked myself if it was Janet who put that stupid idea in his head. What idea? Mrs Gray looked at him, her mouth tight and grim. The idea of taking a photo of the Kelpies, she said. Sandy couldn't believe what he'd heard. Kelpies? What are you on about? He burst out. Kelpies don't exist. They're just fairy tales. Mrs Gray snorted. Your father didn't think so. Why else did he let himself get trapped in the bay at the sea's back on the night of a full moon with a storm coming up? He must have thought he'd get a photo of the Kelpies and make a lot of money. The fool thought he'd get away with it. Instead, they got away with him. What? thought Sandy, and then all at once he understood. His grandmother really thought Kelpies had stolen his father all those years ago. He remembered what she'd said about his dad vanishing. There's worse things than drowning, she'd said. She must be mad but she was still talking. You're as big a fool as your father, so there's no point trying to talk you out of going. Do you have a bridle with you? And Sandy suddenly remembered what his mum had said. The search party, a bridle ripped to shreds. His brain felt as if it was about to explode. What do you mean? Like a horse's bridle, he said. What else would I mean? His grandmother snapped. Even my son wasn't stupid enough to go looking for Kelpies without taking a bridle. There's some rope in the shed. Or, there was something my mother told me so many years ago I'd almost forgotten. Go to my dresser and bring me that box. She pointed a bent finger towards an old wooden box. Sandy did as he was told. The old woman unlocked the box, opened it and pulled out a long string of pearls. It looked as if it was too long. It would go round her neck a few times and still hang down to her waist. 
She let it slide through her fingers for a moment and then held it out to him. What are you giving me that for? said Sandy. It's a dare, not a fancy dress party. It's not for you, stupid boy. There's a story about a kelpie long ago and someone caught it with a bridle made of pearls. I'm not saying it'll work, but I'm giving you the little help I can. Now, you better push off. The sea's coming in fast and you won't be able to get into the bay. No, wait. There's something in the top drawer. Take that too. And she pointed at the dresser again. Sandy headed for the door. This was one weird thing too many. You're crazy, you know that, he yelped. What is it now? A mummy's hand? A cloak of invisibility? What? It's a sweater, said his grandmother. It'll be cold. Oh, er, thanks. Sandy fetched a sweater and ran. Sandy shivered. His his grandmother was right. It was cold. The strip of sand he stood on was getting thinner all the time. He'd made it round the rocky headland to the bay with only minutes to spare. The sea was coming in so fast he got soaked to his knees. Terrific, he groaned. I get to freeze to death, just so I can join some lame gang. Nice one, Sandy. The wind was getting up, whipping the black water into white foam and flying spray. Sandy hugged the sweater tighter round himself and cursed Caitlin and her stupid dare. He found a rock to shelter behind, but even so, the bay at the sea's back was going to be a horrible place to spend the night. He crouched there and tried to keep warm. He thought about Kelpies. Did his grandmother really believe in them? And does Caitlin believe in them too, he thought, or does she just want me to freeze to death? Sandy gave a sigh. Better take some pictures, he thought, to prove that I really was here in the middle of the night, like an idiot. He got out his camera. The moon was full. Clouds whipped past, but for the m- most of the time, there was enough light. I'll come back here in the summer, he thought. I bet I could get some really good pictures then. He tried some shots of the headland, with the waves bashing up against the rocks at its feet. He checked the viewer. I'll have to lighten those a lot, but they should still do the job. Good enough for Caitlin McGann, anyway. The noise of the waves pounding onto the rocks was louder now, almost deafening. The wind was howling, too. And yet he thought he heard another sound as well. Sandy peered over the top of the rock, trying to work out what this new noise was. What could be making it? Something felt very, very wrong. Sandy stepped out from behind the rock. As a herd of horses exploded out of the sea. No normal horse ever looked like these. They were huge. Their skin and manes and tails were all bone white. Even their eyes were white, like the eyes of dead things. They screamed and kicked and reared up, showing their teeth at each other. But even weirder than that was the fact that everything else around them had suddenly stopped. It was like a freeze frame. The waves were frozen just before they broke on the beach. The white foam was still and stiff in the air. A second ago, the wind had been whipping Sandy's hair into his eyes. Now there wasn't a breath of air in the bay. The torn clouds looked as if they had been nailed across the face of the moon. 
The only sound Sandy could hear was the screaming of the horses and the thudding of his own heart. One part of Sandy's brain was yelling, run, and another part was shouting, take a picture. I've gone crazy, he thought. His hands were trembling, but he lifted his camera and started to click. He took a quick look at the display and groaned. There was nothing showing. Too dark, he thought, and thumbed on the flash. He clicked again, and all hell broke loose. The instant the flash went off, all those dead white eyes turned towards him as he stood there in the frozen moonlight. Sandy had never seen such evil glee on an animal's face. And then it got worse. Sandy thought he was going to be sick. The horses turned and twisted and warped as if in terrible pain, and all the time they were changing. They weren't horses anymore. They looked human. The beach was suddenly filled with a tall, pale people, dressed in what looked like sea foam. But the evil in their horrible dead white eyes hadn't changed. Kelpies, Sandy screamed inside his head. At the front of the crowd was a woman who was taller than the rest. She was more beautiful than any woman Sandy had ever seen, and totally evil. This was the queen of the Kelpies. Sandy could sense her power. He couldn't look away. The Kelpies lit their lips. They started to step towards him. There was no escape. He was trapped. And then something, someone, who wasn't a Kelpie, fell onto the beach in front of Sandy. He wasn't just the shape of a human, he was a human. The Kelpies had clothes of beautiful sea spray foam, but not him. He was dressed in mats of slimy seaweed. He was so thin that you could see his bones. His hair was as white as the Kelpies, but it hung down like dirty string. He stared at Sandy as if he'd seen a ghost. And Sandy felt as if he'd seen one too. He knew that face. The man looked just like the photo his mum kept by her bed. He was thinner and his hair wasn't brown anymore. He was much, much older, but he was still the same man. His father. And suddenly he knew what his grandmother meant. There were worse things than drowning, she had said. This is what she was talking about. This is what his father's life had been for the last 14 years. Worse than drowning. Dad? He whispered. The man reached out his hands, but the queen got there first. In two strides, she reached Sandy and grabbed his chin. She pushed his head back so she could look at him. Her touch made his skin crawl, and her razor-sharp nails left bloody tracks on his skin. She dragged his face back and forth, looking at him from different angles. Then she threw back her own head and neighed out an evil laugh that made hot and cold shivers run down Sandy's spine. It's true, she snarled. It's written all over his face. He's yours. You never told me you had a son. And she pushed Sandy away and turned on his father. She hit him hard across the side of the head. Robert Gray landed on the beach with a groan and curled up as if expecting a beating. The other Kelpies whistled and squealed. They were looking forward to this, Sandy could tell. But this time, it wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to let it happen. 
That was his dad. And no one beat up on his dad while he was there. Stop! yelled Sandy. It was only when all the Kelpie's eyes were fixed on him that he knew he didn't have a plan. So that was chapters three and four of The Night of the Kelpies by Joan Lennon. And I've got three questions to feed to think about for that section that we just read. So the first question is, why does Mrs. Gray give Sandy a string of pearls? My second question is, what did Sandy try to do when he first saw the Kelpies? And my last question is, how was Sandy able to recognise that the man was his father? So in the next session, we're going to be reading right up to the end of The Night of the Kelpies. But thank you for listening and goodbye.